Hey, I'm Dr. Kate Wong. And I'm Tierra Mitchell. And, and you are listening to, to the Holistic Hope Podcast. We invite you to join us and our village in conversations rooted in wellness and health so that we may grow a community of generational healing through love. In this episode, episode six of the Holistic Hope Podcast, join us in our conversation with public speaker and voice coach Christine Miskinis of Rock It Out Woman as she shares about the importance of using your voice and collaboration with voices from your village to aid you in achieving your health, pregnancy, and labor goals by speaking up for what is best for you and your family. Be sure to join in the conversations with us on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. And it makes a difference, especially for parents and mothers in their communities. It's very, very powerful when a woman knows and is educated what she wants, what kind of life she wants to live, and then she can put like her focus there. But there's a lot of um, uh, confidence stuff that goes there too. So my school, my kids go to a free school right now. They're both not vaccinated. My child was vaccine injured. Um, I had a natural birth. I did the Bradley method in a hospital setting. Um, I had no, no medicine at all. It was totally unassisted. Um, I went on to breastfeed my babies. I created a uh, breastfeeding revolution series. I connected with Abby, um, Abby Epstein and Ricky Lake. So just so you kind of like, I just did life as Christine, as the mother where I live, but I was still able to ignite change and social change, not because I'm a feminist, but because I'm an empowered woman who knows what she wants and I know what's available to me. And a lot of parents don't know that that's an option. When I say, do you know that you don't necessarily need to give your baby this vitamin K shot straight out of birth or this hepatitis B shot right in the hospital? You don't necessarily, and they're like, what do you mean? But my pediatrician said, I have to, I'm like, no, no, no. There's a whole other world out there for us. I was a New York City public school teacher. Now I send my kids to school. They play outside all day. There's, I mean, but who would know this? I worked inside of a lot of the systems. I think that was the great thing about me and I could see how they didn't work. And so that's how I was able to stand for the other thing that I believed was best for me. I always believed the mother knows what's best for her children. And it's just empowering her to speak up because sometimes even just asking the question, I, I fired pediatricians. I mean, I have so many stories. So that's where voice and speaking. How so much. And I did not know all of that. <laughs> I'm yeah. so glad you hit record. I was like, shoot, I should have said something. I could say it all day. I could say it There's so many different angles. But like, see, that, that's, the, that's why I got the rock your voice. I went from mom's coach for life to rock your voice woman. Because when I was working with the mothers, I was like, why aren't they? So the other thing is women don't feel worthy enough to even say, I need support. Or, you know, um, I want my children home. I don't want to send them to a school or to a daycare. Or like whatever they make their decision, just know that they have a choice. Now, it's not so out there because... Most people follow the path of the mainstream. Here's my baby, do what you're going to do. And they don't question it. But I've been on the off side of that. I've seen children with autism and allergies and all these. And as a teacher, I would say, what's going on with our offspring? This is our offspring, people. Oh, we know. They would make jokes. I mean, it was 18 years ago. But I was like, this is not funny. 
the kids with all of these disorders are like doubling and tripling. And I've only been teaching for 10 years. I keep seeing more and more problems. Why are we as a society not looking at our children and really putting our time, attention, and money here to our future generations? Forget about college. I'm just talking about their health. They're anxious. They have all of this, right? And so I became a health coach and I saw mothers, of course, this is why I love the mothers, right? Recover their children's health very quickly because, okay, the child's not that old yet. They haven't developed all of these things, right? Mm-hmm. So they were able to eliminate their diets and really help their kids. But then I started looking at the mothers. I'm like, wait, I'm helping them, trying to help the mothers help their kids. They've got that. But who's helping the mothers? Like, So there's a lot of information. There's networking. Um, we don't live in villages, and it takes a village to raise children. And what I mean by village is like you need a freaking team of people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Your regular people. I don't, we don't even go to the pediatrician anymore. We haven't gone in like, I think three or four years already now because they don't need to not because I used to go all the time and it was ridiculous. I used to just go for checkups and whatever. And I did all that. And then it was like, okay. And then she'd be like, okay, go do your oils and your homeopathy. Bye. I'm like, okay. So let's use our health system for when we need it. Look at this virus, the same thing. What if we could just take care of ourselves? Because believe me, if I get this thing, I know how to take care of myself. Not to say whatever, but I take care of myself all the time. And I use that system as it's meant to be used. Mm -hmm. If I'm dying, if I have a terrible disease, if I need surgery, yes, I am the first person in that ER. If that's not the case, I'm not there. Mm -hmm. But that's that's not how I grew up. You know, I've grown up like you go to the doctor every so often, you get the shots, you do the things, you follow the thing, whatever. And everyone I I know that's around me is very sick. We got to look at this. We got to start having these conversations. Yeah. So you ready? (laughs) (laughs) Go from there. (laughs) That was perfect. (laughs) That was perfect. So I'm really curious to know about. A, a little bit more into your journey, like I'm, you mentioned being a teacher and then having your own kids. So can you tell us just how life was before you started to recognize hmm, something needs to change? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was the good. Those were the good times. No. <laughs> so, um, you know, I will just say this. Yeah. I'm such an advocate for children and mothers because I my my whole life, I came into the world as a colicky baby. And I was like a week premature on top of that. Um, And so my digestion was never good, meaning, you know, either I had constipation or diarrhea or whatever. I had skin issues. I had, um, and I still do a very little bit, but I do have psoriasis on my scalp. Um, And I had that from when I was very young. I used to pass out faint as a young child because I would overheat. Things that like, you would be like, what? So um, that was my journey. And then what I noticed is like, the more that I took on, the more that I grew up, it got worse. Like my menstrual cycle was horrific. Like, so I was put on medicine. Medicine was always the answer, you know, the cortisol shots and the whatever. Uh, Then I had allergies. Um, 
So I had uh, beginnings of endometriosis, uh, a very young girl just going to the doctors like, I don't feel well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did go to nutritionists when I was younger, but my diet wasn't horrific. So we couldn't like pinpoint what it really was. I was labeled with um, GERD, leaky gut, um, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and so all of this finally came to a head when I was just out of college. And, you know, that's what I mean. Like I entered the world and I was ending up in the emergency room three times a month that I would call in and end up there because everything would just come up and out of me. Like, first of all, I would be in pain for 12 to 16 hours. My stomach would be churning, all this stuff. Like, and I wouldn't know when it would happen, when it would come on, nothing. And then all of a sudden, everything would just come up and I would be crawling on the floor. I mean, it was like, it was horrible. And nobody knew that that was happening with me because every time I went to a doctor, nobody could really figure out what the thing was. So I didn't clearly say anything. I tried to live my life. I tried to avoid it really is what I was doing. And so at 22, it got really bad. And that's when I went to the doctor and they said, okay, let's, um, let's get some biopsies going. And um, they saw that my stomach lining was growing up into my esophagus what they said was a result from years and years of acid reflux. This is called Barrett's esophagus mm-hmm. or Barrett's disease. This is something that people 75 and older have, and I was 22. And so they were like, this is really the life expectancy. We don't even know what happens because usually, you know, there's not that long of a life to live and you're so young. So they put me on Nexium, Prevacid, all this stuff. It wasn't working. I, I mean, I took it for maybe six months. And when it wasn't working, I'm like, I'm not taking it anymore. No, you need to keep taking it. I'm not taking it anymore. It's not working. Like nothing's changing. So um, after I started having these terrible episodes, I, um, I went to a holistic nutritionist who's now a functional medicine doctor. And she just supported me in cleaning up my diet, um, eating organic food. Again, everybody then thought it was so weird. I know we're 2020, but I'm talking like 2005. Okay. Mm. People were like, I was juicing. They're like, Oh, she has to eat the organic. I mean, they thought I was like snooty and, you know, because I couldn't eat what other people were eating for, for a little while. It wasn't that long, but I adopted to like, this is actually, it makes me feel better. So I shifted my whole lifestyle and I started juicing. I added in probiotics. I added in some digestive enzymes, for only like two or three months, I went back to the doctors. I was feeling great. No more episodes. Skin started clearing up. Stomach, uh, tummy bloat started going down. And they said, wow, they did another uh, biopsy, endoscopy. And they were like, you're actually, we see scar tissue. So this means you're actually healing now. There's no more new growth from what we see. And so like, keep taking the medicine. And I'm like, no. I stopped taking the medicine. Remember I told you I was on it and you were, and the doctor at the time was like, you stopped taking the medicine. I'm like, I told you it wasn't working, but let me tell you what I did instead. And he was shut me. Nope. He's like, listen to me. I go to Mm -hmm. medical school and this is what they teach in medical school. And this is my prescription for you. If you don't take this prescription, I can't be your doctor. You understand that. And I stood there as a woman empowered now in her voice and said, well, that's okay because I clearly don't need it anymore. You said I'm healing and I found a way. And I understand, I appreciate that that's what you learned. But in those moments when I sat in the doctor's office as well, I would see 
pharmaceuticals come in with this whole big uh, board of all the different pills and all this stuff and their big, you know, um, names and whatever of this medication. And like, I was like, what's going on here? I spent a lot of time in the doctor's offices just saying like, is this like a sales thing? Like, what is this? Because I'm like, I'm a patient. And that was the same thing when the doctor's like, well, I can't treat you. I'm like, really? Because, you know, a doctor is supposed to help people get better and be invested in your health. And now you're telling me you're getting healthy and I'm out of here. You're not going to take my medication. You're not going to. But I had no judgment because I heard what he said. He literally devoted his life and in medical school, medical school, that's the training that he received. So what else is there to do? And that's not the avenue. And that's something else I want to tell you, ladies, is anytime a mother has this intuition of like, oh, that's, and you wouldn't even think that's intuition right there in that moment. However, in the back of my mind, something was like, this is so not right for a doctor to be saying this to me. And so this is so not right for me. Yeah. Because if he was offering a solution, of course, being a sick, I would say, thank you. Thank you. But something here is not right. And that's what happened to me every step of the way, even especially as a parent, as a new parent yeah. who was so concerned about her babies. Now, I also came from this. And so I was um, more conscious of like my health and how my bacteria, you know, how my children came out. Don't forget. So if I had this pre-cancer stuff and all of this, I was always in the conversation of how's my child's gut? Breastfeeding is best for that. Natural birth is best for that, for their breathing to be pushed through the canal, to come out. Okay, I don't want to have the drugs if I don't need them. Okay. See, it's a conversation that evolved. But not just that, I had support. That woman doctor, you know, she supported me. She would, So it was like I could be empowered because I would ask, and then, they, yeah, there's this. Yes. There's the, yes, you can juice. Yes. Okay. Can I have the natural birth in a hospital? Yes. Okay. Just know what you need to say. Make sure you're communicating clearly. Have your birth plan in place. A lot of people come with birth plans. They don't follow them. So make sure that you don't allow them to put their fingers in you to test how many centimeters you are, even though it's common protocol. Because you're inviting in something that's not meant to be in there at that time. Baby's coming out. You shouldn't be putting anything. Okay. So all of this, like, what would be, you don't need to have a medical degree to understand this stuff. But it empowered me. So then we're like, we're, we're going to test you. No, we want to see how many centers. No, you don't need to know how many centimeters I am. You'll probably see, you know, like, just keep monitoring me. We're good. We're okay. And so um, having, like I said, takes a village. So that's what I did. I reached out after I got, um, I did the Bradley method. I asked for, um, and I have two children. So the first time I just, I just made sure that I had all of those things in place. And I didn't really have a lot of support in the hospital. But the Bradley method is where the husband actually is your coach. So while I was laboring and birthing, he was like, no, keeping everybody away from me pretty much. They were like, what does she need? Does she need? And he was like, no, 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 just leave her alone. And he was able to be there for me, different position, different holding, so that I could bring the baby down and birth beautifully. The second time, things had kind of shifted. Um, 
I did, uh, I did have a second um, uh, pregnancy that didn't come to term. And so I was going to have a home birth. And then I decided not to because they didn't pick up on what was going on with me with the baby. And I was carrying the baby after the baby stopped actually growing. So I had the baby in me, I had to have a DNC. And I was, I thought I was four months pregnant, but the baby probably stopped growing around a month and a half. So at that point in time, I said, okay, I want to go back into the hospital just in case, right? Because something, you know, it wasn't clear to me and I wanted to be in that setting. And so at that point in time, again, I asked for a, a midwife to be there with me. It was someone that was in the hospital, so it was still in the medical system. Um, but again, I was able to do the things because now I had had a baby this way and I still was able to have my natural birth. There's so many questions I want to ask you, Christine. <laughs> it's like, where do I start? Um, so you're mentioning you're a colicky baby and all these different things happen. You must have been really stressed just like all throughout. I can't imagine like to all that stuff building up in your esophagus. So if I can um, kind of ask you if it's okay um, in regards to your parents and how their her pregnancy was um, and how that was as well. So my mom was very young. She was 17. So she had a stressful pregnancy, right? She got pregnant before they were married. Um, it was not okay to do that, right? So she was a very young new mom, scared. Um, the birth itself was very traumatic for her. She passed out quite a few times during the labor, during the delivery. So um, yeah, so that in and of itself, she had a lot of stress with me having me, um, but totally loved me. And, you know, I was always like surrounded by love. Um, but my parent situation was, and did become more advanced in the case that they, after they were married and together, I think I was like a year and a half and they decided to separate. So that brought, brought along more. So this question is really good because what I have found and really what I believe I've healed from innately was this like a lot of fear, a lot of fear um, in my family. And a lot of the women did, you know, they got married young or they left their houses young and the first marriage didn't work out. And then the woman had to be strong and the woman had to, there was like a lot of this, right? So now you would see how, and I was growing up, they were like, you have to be this, you have a lot of fear anxiety, stress. And, you know, I have always picked up on other people's energies. Um, and I, people would ask me, are you nervous? No, it wasn't so much that I felt nervous. I think there was like a lot of unknown for me. And it just, I never felt that total safety and security. And then, uh, in regards to, um, when you were a teacher, were you a teacher in New York City or is it elsewhere? Yeah. Yeah, New York. Yeah. I was, uh, I lived in the Bronx. <laughs> so I went to one of the PS schools when I was little. So yeah. that's, that's what I was going to ask you <laughs> in regards to that. But um, when you were noticing all these different kids with all these different issues, and then you wanted to tell the parents what's going on, like, what is it that you noticed some parents were actually more open to, to your voice? And what, which one were actually, you know, I'm not, no. Are you asking which parents or which level of advice were they open to? Both, actually. Both. 
Um, well, when you're teaching, you know that there are certain parents who are committed and involved. And, um, and there were also children who are already in the educational system who have been labeled, who have IEPs, let's say. Mm-hmm. And so those parents are a little more privy because they're already trying alternative things for their child so their child thrives. So those were the parents that, first of all, you know, a child that has other things happening um, emotionally, physically, mentally, then they can get set off, let's say, or like really, you know, it can like kind of blow up very quickly. So parents would see that there would be such a great shift right away from the food, from the supplements, you know, and I wasn't in a place to like give medical advice. I just was sharing like, Hey, I eliminated gluten. I eliminated dairy. Do you know what's in? I like, are you reading the labels? Because what happened was after I had my healing and I was teaching, I went back to school to become um, a health coach. Mm-hmm. And so I started learning about food, where it comes from and all of that and how it impacts the body. So I just started sharing, like, have you ever tried? Here's an alternative thing. Instead of um, Oreos, you can give like Paul Newman's organic. It doesn't have all of that stuff. They'd be like, oh, really? So the moms were really, plus I was a teacher. So they already knew me, right? I was already, they were already in that environment. It was like an educator. I was just giving them like another thing to try. So they trusted me and they took action. And their kids would like lose weight, be able to focus better. We also had like these vending machines back then in the schools, believe it or not, that kids could just get stuff, junk. And they would, and they mostly would at lunch. And then they come back from lunch and they're like, you're like, okay, it's math time. All right, what did you have? (laughs) What did you have for lunch? And they're like, oh my God, I have this. And so just, you know, sharing that information is so important. And, you know, as a teacher, you know, it is like being in the healthcare or something. You get to observe the child. You get to give the feedback on the report cards, all that other stuff. So, yeah. So I saw the parents who were, um, and really the children who already had the IEPs or something like that. Those are the ones that I would mostly focus on because those were the ones that were struggling the most. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, it's like um, for for the patients that I see, I usually tend to see ones who have our parents um, basically they went to everyone and like literally everyone. And like, I'm the last person they see. That's not where I want to be, but it's like the ones who think they're normal, they're fine. Like they don't even like be aware of that. So it's almost as if the fact is you have to suffer so much to heal yourself, to be in that mindset to heal, which is like, it's heartbreaking for me. And so it is. And I have learned that um, we are all worthy of having our own experiences in this life. Like we all come, like you said, like you started asking about my mom and that, right? It's like, yeah, I had that experience. And the thing is, we are empowered as people. So no matter what our circumstances are, we can find a way to rise above this, the human spirit, right? Is able to like figure out a way to do that. And I will say, I, I think it's Dr. Joe Dispenza that actually talks about, he has like a, a phrase about it that says, either you have a sickness or an injury or something that's going to wake you up. 
And it requires that because otherwise you don't know what you don't know and you don't even know you don't know it. So how will you come to it? And so you can only start with where you are and where you are is going to the general doctor, you know, like that's why it would happen with me this and this and this and that until boom. And then I was like, I can't do this anymore. And there's always an event in your life, not always, but it does require you as a person to actually decide that you will become or be something different. Like there's an identity thing that happens because I'm telling you, when I stood there with the doctors and I was like, you told me I have pre-cancer. And my first thing was like, okay, doc, fix me, save me. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to go in, cut it out, give me give different medicine. And he was like, uh, no. <laughs> he literally put his hands up. He was like, there's nothing we can do right now. It's pre-cancer what we're seeing because there's abnormal tissue growing. And anytime that happens, it's a pre-cancer condition. So we'll keep monitoring you every few months. And, blah, blah. and in that moment, it felt like I could feel like him saying like, listen girl you're on your own and I had this moment where I was like oh I heard my inner voice say go off and allow your body to heal all is well and this was my I say wake up call whatever because it was like a slap in the face but in that moment I decided my body's gonna heal I've got to stop living this way of, oh, I'm going to do it on the, okay, like I'm burning myself to the ground and I've, and you know, but my body can heal. So knowing that, hey, take a breath, you know, step back. And I knew when I left the doctor's office that day, it was like the voice of God. I tell this story so much and it's like, these are the moments. These are the moments. We've heard this before. When you're in do or die, you hear a voice. And I literally knew I was going to heal. And I left the doctor's office so calm. I called my family and I just, you know, I told my mom, but I was like, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to give any energy to it. I'm going to be okay. Just going to let you know. I'll figure it out. It's going to be okay. My body's going to heal. And if I didn't take that, you know, then I, I don't think like you could lead the horse to water kind of thing is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. It's true. You can't make a drink. Mm-hmm. I love that you brought up Dr. Joe. I love Dr. Joe. <laughs> and so something I really want to ask you about, um, especially if we're going to think about empowering other mothers, because I hear you when you say you can go in there with a birth plan. I went in with a book of a birth plan. You know, this is what I want. I was very vocal about it. The minute I got into the hospital, it was as if I never wrote one. And that for me was my voice moment because the lady, the nurse came in and told me, I really didn't want to have epidural. I didn't like the thought of what if the, what ifs that could happen. So I was like, bodies, women been having babies naturally for years. Let's just go for this, you know? And the nurse came in and she was like, I'm here to prep you for your epidural and, you know, through contractions. I'm like, oh, no, thanks. And she goes, oh, you're not going to make it without an epidural. And I panicked. I panicked because this medical, you know, my medical support is now telling me I'm not going to survive my labor if I don't get this epidural I don't want. And for me, that was my stand in your power moment. I had no idea 
what it would look like. And all I knew is I'm six centimeters dilated and I'm going to have to figure this out like now. And so with that being said, and I don't want to take too much time to talk about how different my second baby was, but having that experience of, oh, I got this. I don't need, I don't need them to tell me what to do. I can listen to my body and I can trust that my body is going to guide me through this. What advice can you give? And I also want to um, talk about point, uh, point to the fact of how you said it's a decision we make to stand in that power. We have to decide, no, no, I don't want to be the victim anymore. No, I don't want to be the person where bad things are happening to me. I want to look at this as this is happening for me. Now, what, what am I going to get out of it? So for the women who may be worried about carrying a baby to term, you know, there's plenty of women who had lots and lots of miscarriages and they're terrified when they start to get to that last trimester. For the women who may have had really traumatic births before, but they're going for another baby. Women who maybe never been pregnant and they're just terrified to enter into this journey. What advice could you give them about stepping into their power and then holding it even when the fear arises? Beautiful. Perfect. I love that you brought up this question because that's what happened to me too. I was in the my first baby in the hospital, like I said. Now, remember, the support system is key, ladies. So if you can't have a, a husband there, a partner there, then have your mother there, someone who's on your side in the room with you. Tell them that you're whatever, that you're, um, you know, relatives or blood, and make sure you have support because being pregnant is such a vulnerable part of your life. And actually, labor and delivery is the most vulnerable, even for animals in the wild. That's why they go and they hide and they need, right? Yes. We need to know this and remember this and know that in these times, we cannot, we're not meant to be strong and fighting and speaking up, honestly. So when I say have a voice, have the voice and be connected to the voices of others who tell you what to say. Because I've leaned on those voices and made them my own, okay? Because I didn't know and I wouldn't know to say the certain things that I've learned. So it's like a recall. So you need a community. You need a village. You do. Education and education outside of the norm. Education that's in line with your values. Otherwise, you're hearing the same voices, which are very disempowering, okay? As we just heard today. And so for me... This happened to me too. I was ready to have the baby. The anesthesiologist happened to be a man. He comes into the hospital. He sits down next to me. He's like, okay, we're going to get you prepped and all. I said, nope, it's on my birth plan. And he snickers at me and he goes, you know how many women come in with this? They want to have a natural baby birth stuff going on. No. He's like, you need to, I'm going to get you prepped. I go, no, no, no. I am going to have a natural birth. It's already written. I have the classes. I've done this stuff. I don't need you. Thank you, but I don't need you. He laughs again and says, you're going to be biting the rails of that bed and it will be too late. I can't help you then. So you need to have the epidural now. And I was like, not, I was like 10 centimeters and I was or nine centimeters. I was not feeling good. <laughs> Let's put it that way. I was like, what? And I'm just like, okay, thank you. No. And so that's when having people there, he gets up, walks all upset. Yeah. Can I tell you, after I had my baby, this man comes back and sits down again and says, I apologize. 
for what I said to you before you went to have the baby. I didn't think that you were going to do it. I said, well, he goes, no, he goes, I didn't think you were going to do it because most women don't do it. Even when they say they want to, I go, well, how could they? Because when you're so vulnerable and you have someone at you telling you you're going to be biting the rest, I never had a baby before and you're doing this fear mongering stuff with me. And how could I? He was like, you are so right. I am not going to do this again. I will not do this from here on out. This is where Rock Your Voice Woman was birthed. He came back to me. He told me he will not be pressuring and all of it now, whether or not or whatever. But like, isn't that beautiful? That is. Because I did not. My nurse was a woman. My nurse was a woman. She was a woman of color. And she, and like, I couldn't believe. And then my next nurse, the second baby, she was not a woman of color. And she was so supportive. I was like, I don't want to ever drool. She said, okay, I got you. You can hold my hand. We'll sit here and we'll work through it. And I was just like, oh my gosh. This is, like, I, I cried because I was like, I'm so glad you're here. I feel like I can do this now, you know? So that, oh, that just yeah. that made me so happy. <laughs> and right and because we don't know and it is like our energy it is what we say like we don't know women of color non-women of color man woman sometimes we will, women are worse i had a woman in, you know the, the second time that was like laughing at me all this other, i mean it's like and while i'm birthing i mean it's just like who who yeah. can you trust you gotta yeah. create your own community you gotta have people that have you back i had my mom i had my former husband there and they were both like get back stay away da, 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 da. Yeah. and everybody was like shh, shh. but you know what let me do my thing the other thing I'll just say is if anybody needs a, a tip or a trick, you don't have to go to school for this one, um, so that they didn't touch me or make me bay. I mean, it's so sad to talk about the medical industry like this because really they should be on our side and so much uh, they are desensitized or, you know, or programmed to act and say certain things, protocol. So... The way to avoid all of that and the way I avoided all that and still having babies in the hospital was I, um, I, I actually walked around until I was almost ready to have the baby. And then I walked into the hospital. Once I was in the hospital, I kept hopping into the shower so they couldn't reach me, touch me, put their fingers in me or probe me or poke me or anything. They didn't like that, but they didn't come in the shower to get me out. Hmm. The water also brings the baby down. So if you're birthing, water helps your body relax and naturally the baby will start to get in position. It's a way to speed it up. So these are tips I've learned in child, uh, child health care um, classes. I want to talk about how she's saying, um, you know, we're supposed to be able to trust our medical support. And I think you and I have had a conversation where we you told me, you know, doctors do what we're trained to do to help. And we're only doing what we're trained to know best. But once we're able to understand our patient is telling us this isn't working for me, then we're able to step into a new avenue. So I wanted to see if you can maybe with Christine, like bounce ideas on how women can navigate those conversations with their medical support, especially um, if they're in their vulnerable state and may not. Mm -hmm. know what to say in that very moment I've seen it it's not that doctors are you know mean and trying to whatever it's just that this ladies if you follow the path that they have laid out for you it's going to end up with a c-section a premature baby 
something or other that, you know, all of this Pitocin and scheduled births and stuff create. Natural is the best way. Our bodies are designed for this. Women do not sit in circles anymore. We do not sit in the village setting and share. And that's why we need to share, educate, inform. But even more than that, we need to be supportive. We need to be in the rooms. We need to be at the appointments for other women. I've had that. I told you about my strong women in my family. I saw my mom naturally birth two more of my sisters. Um, and it, you know, I was there before I had my babies. So I knew already that I could do it. I don't want to make it sound like I'm a badass or whatever. It was just that I witnessed it. And then I had the health scare. And I was kind of like, you know what? <laughs> Nobody's going to tell me how to do this because it's what my body is designed to do. And if I need yeah. help, they will know. We will know, right? But aside from that, like, don't touch me. Don't bother me. If I don't have a fever, if I'm not, whatever, if I'm naturally birthing, stay away from me. And it was horrific the first time. I have to tell you the truth. I took off all my clothes. Oh, no. Is that ridiculous? But like, yes, I took off all of my clothes and I was walking around the room and they had the door open. And literally doctors and nurses were stopping and like looking at me. It was horrific. And I mean, I was like, screw. I mean, I didn't care. I didn't care anymore. I didn't care. So for me, oh, I'm sorry, but like I'm connecting with you right? so because for me, my first baby was sunny side up. I forget the correct medical term. She's sunny side up. They didn't tell me this. So I have no idea this is happening. Yep. And um, not breach, but where her oh. face was up. She was still head first. Forward. So what happens is the back of the head gets caught on the pelvis coming through the canal. And so they didn't tell me this. I was like, laboring for like 16 hours before I was ready. I was ready to push. And, but what felt good to me, I stripped. I didn't like, when I say birth plan went out the window, I didn't want anybody in the room. Cause I didn't know what my body would do. Everybody was in the room. My husband's family who I didn't know that well at the time, all in the room, I'm booty naked, you know? And I had gotten, what I will say was those nurses did let me do whatever I said, my body wants to do this. And those were like my magic words. If I said, my body's telling me to do this and they're like, okay. And I ended up getting into like almost um, child's pose just about, but I had my butt all the way in the air and I had all my weight. My head was down. My butt was all the way in the air. Later after baby's born, I find out that they're like, your body was telling you to do that because she was sunny side up. I didn't know. I hadn't read that anywhere. I just did it. And it relieved so much pain. And I hadn't slept in two days and that I was able to take a nap during my labor. And if I hadn't told the nurses and they were looking at me crazy too, like, <laughs> but if I hadn't said my body's telling me to do this, they would have kept telling me to lay on my back. And it saved us from going into an emergency C-section. Exactly. Exactly. That's, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, you don't hear these stories, you don't know this. And then if you're following their path, then you know where that's going to lead. You know, my doctor literally came in and I'm like, what, I'm like, what's going on? And he's like, well, we don't see people, you know, walking around naked like this. I'm like, really? In birth? He's like, no, usually they come in and they lie down. I'm like, 
And here I am, like, you know, <laughs> you don't want to be having these conversations at this point in time, but apparently they need to be happening. So I'm just like, are you people crazy? And then like, he starts talking to my mom and my mom's like, well, how do you want her to have this baby? If she lays down, she's not going to, you know, baby's not going to come down. And he's like, yeah, well, I'm not used to this. Like all these hours I come in and we get, the, I can't stay here. Watch. I can't stay here on my clock this many hours. I wouldn't get paid. I wouldn't get, my mother's like, really? Oh, really? Really? That's what this is about. Like, cause I was in labor for like 16 hours. And um, yeah, and I guess he wasn't on call. He must have came in something, or other, but he wasn't in the room with me that whole time. So I don't know. But um, yeah, that was his thinking, and he didn't understand. And I was like, whatever. And you know, people came to me after I gave birth, and they were like, "You were the woman." Like I was some kind of celebrity or freak. I don't know. I'm like, yeah, that was me. And I was up. I the baby came out. I'm walking. walking around. They're like, you just had a baby. I'm like, yeah, people. Yes. I got it too. Your stomach sucks in. You feel, I mean, you feel. Your body's ready to do this. Yeah, your body's made for this stuff. So, yeah. That's Rob, so, sisterhood. Right. <laughs> and so, okay, I'm very curious to know if you guys have words you listen for, because I noticed Christine said like, I, I don't feel like I have a temperature. I don't feel like anything's wrong. I feel normal. I don't, I don't think I, no, thank you. You know, no, thank you. She, you had a very polite way of declining. No, thank you. Um, <laughs> are there, you know, are there words you listen for when a woman's in labor? Um, so in regards to that, I usually kind of go in and see what's going on when they're uncomfortable. I check their pelvis. Like, this is what a chiropractor is kind of doing. It's like checking the spine to make sure everything's allowing the body to do what it needs to do. That's the main phrase. Allow the body what it needs to do. When the pelvis is shifted for a certain reason, because, you know, from before birth, you know, during like, you know, pregnancy, certain things like that, that torsion of the pelvis doesn't allow the, I don't know if you've ever felt the sacrum kind of go up and down when you're giving birth. Like in the x-rays, I actually recorded that. And it's really, it's an intense because all the ligaments in your pelvis is so lax and it's lax for the next 10 months after birth. And so if that is shifted because of that tension, all the muscles in those areas where you can't do what you need to do, therefore you have to, you know, be in a certain position to allow that baby to do what he or she needs to do. So having that, that that's kind of like the magic phrase. It's like allowing the body what's stuck Let's get that unstuck. Let's allow it to do the contraction, whatever it is. I love that. Well, does anyone have anything to add? <laughs> I do have the, uh, actually, Christine, did you have anything else? I do. I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I'll make it quick. Um, yeah, the thing is, I don't have to say, I keep talking about the village, I keep talking about other women or men or whoever you need to have as support. Um, I said the Bradley method, there are other now birthing, there are other things I did. Um, uh, hypnosis, what is it called? Um, no therapy. Hip, yes, hypno, hypno babies, hypno babies. Hypno so babies. like there's other ways to prepare yourself and prepare your body, but having the education of what to do and what to say. And so I will just say the Bradley method for me, like when you're feeling a certain way, they teach you how to use your partners, you know, hold around the neck and kind of dance and, and, and 
They teach you how to squat. They teach you how to press against the wall, all this stuff to really help your body. Because if you don't know, that's the most difficult part. That's okay. Yes. I'll be off in five minutes, okay? Yeah, you can. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. Um, so that, and I say this because, well, even for me, the part of labor that I never felt I actually got right was when I had, when I laid down and pushed, I didn't yes. want to lay down. I didn't want to. I kept asking, can I have the squat bar? Can I have the squat bar? But nobody knew how to support me on the squat bar. So there I am. They like put it on top of the bed. I mean, it was so weird and awkward, but like, I noticed that in my laboring, Oh, like I said, I would, I waited. Don't go into the hospital when you're feeling all like you have the contraction. No, walk into the, if you want a natural birth, you walk in when you feel like, okay, this baby is coming out because the minute you walk through the doors of that hospital, everything slows down. Remember what I said, the fear based, all that, well, your body does not want to birth the baby. And when you walk into the hospital, like sit down, let's get you in the wheelchair just even that slows everything down. So wait until you're almost ready, like hang out outside. That's what I did. I, you know, I did whatever I needed to do. Then when I went in, it was like not too much. Um, but <laughs> my first kid, I didn't realize I'd be in labor for so long. So I guess that happened anyway. Um, the other thing is, yeah, know, know what you want to say, know what you want to do, know the kind of birth that you want to have and how you want you to be with your baby afterwards. So my first baby, um, they took him to be circumcised, but that was it. He was, he was with me for the rest of the time. And that was for bonding and breastfeeding. And everybody kept saying, oh, put him in the nursery. Put, I, I didn't want that. And my second baby, I mean, she didn't even get a bath or a sponge bath or anything in the hospital. She totally stayed with me the whole time. And they thought I was crazy. I was like, I just kept making excuses ladies say whatever you need to say do whatever you need to oh no she has to feed you can't take her oh no oh no oh no okay it's almost time to go i'll give her a bath and we go home they checked her and all that other stuff yeah they, in front of me right there okay yeah but they gave her back they she didn't go to the nursery none of my they didn't go to the nursery they didn't have all the funny stuff going on um and everybody told me you know you need you need the you need the rest you need the rest no it actually helps my body to rest more when i have my baby and we're breathing together and they're feeding like actually this is good so don't be afraid of that but educate yourself so you have the language so you know the voices so you know what to say that was the most empowering thing for me, for my partner, for my mother. Um, they knew things to say so that everybody would kind of leave me alone. If it's an Rock emergency and all that, yeah, I mean, you know it's going to happen. If you're not feeling good, if you're in pain, if you start to sweat, if you start to have a fever, they're there. They can help you. That's what the medical system is for. Otherwise, just go it alone. The less that you can have anybody intervene or touch the better it will be. I think, and you can correct me, that we have like such one of the highest infant mortality rates. Watch, have you watched the business of being birthed? Well, that's why I had Ricky Lake on my series. Yeah, I mean, yeah. this is, that's what I mean. These, right? And like, here's the deal with giving your power away. You've got to do your own research. You've got to know what's best for yourself. Don't follow anybody else. Ask around, get a community, talk to other mothers. So the other thing I had was after the pre-stuff, I had La Leche League for breastfeeding support. 
I had holistic moms for raising the kids. I'm still part of these communities. I don't know if we talk about this stuff. It used to be on Yahoo groups. Now it's on Facebook, social media. We were very small. It felt like the underground railroad of raising babies. I mean, because it's crazy, but you have to know things. You have to know what to say because they know what to say. And they ask you questions. And if you can't answer it, they can take the baby, do the things, all this other stuff. So you need to be empowered in your own right. You can't be like a crazy mama. You've got to know what to say. Um, I think that's really important because I just want to let you know that it's not just my voice. It's, uh, it's the collection of voices that we're disconnected from today, unfortunately. And it's become so mainstream to just do the things. And I'm like, no, 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 you know? Even for my cousin, you know, she wanted to have her baby. She was going to go in and have Pitocin. I was like, he's not ready yet. Oh, he's coming today. No, nobody. The baby knows when he's coming. Your body knows when he's coming. Well, she went in or whatever, and she went to get checked, and she was already having contractions. So God worked that one out because I was praying really hard on that one. I was like, it's so, I'm like, and I'm trying to speak languages like it's so much easier on your body, ladies, when you have a natural birth. So, you know, Dr. Kate can talk about it, but like you, when you have that Pitocin stuff, it is like the end all. It's like your body naturally contracts, opens, contracts, right? But when you have Pitocin, it's like, it's like squishing a melon in your hand all at the same time. Remember that doctor said, I'm going to be biting the railings of the bed. Yeah, that would cause me to do that. Natural birth, natural breathing. There's nothing you can't handle. And if there is, Usually that means you're in transition. You're just about to meet your baby. But if there is something that's really so horrific and you're like, I can't take this anymore, um, <laughs> then, you're, then you're supported in that. You'll know. You will know. So trust yourself. That's the yes. best thing. Keep having these conversations. This is, the, this is being empowered. Um, yeah. Even I'll say one last piece about breastfeeding because I had issues with my kids breastfeeding and I didn't know. And they kept telling me my milk was not enough. See, I I just, I I didn't get an easy break at all. (laughs) You went through all that. You thought that was bad. No, there's phase two of the of your birth and that's bringing baby home and breastfeeding. And I had so much milk, but my babies weren't growing and all this other stuff. And I said, something is wrong. Yeah. You don't have enough milk. You're not, I'm like, you have to supplement with formula, all this stuff. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, something is wrong with the connection. Something's not, you know? And they checked and they checked and they checked. I had to, my baby was almost three months old. I had to go to New York City. So I was I'm in New Jersey. I had to go to a specialist who was on the business of being born. I, um, she was the one of the lactation specialists. Yeah. Went in, oh yeah, he has a classic case of tongue tie. Snip. Took care of that right there. I went through three months of feeding my baby every two hours around the clock, breastfeeding, pumping, trying to do all these things, but trying to also maintain the relationship with the baby and the breastfeeding. And that's what it was. Nobody knew. I In the hospital setting, I took them three times. I kept going back to the hospital. Something, oh, it's you. They just want to push the formula. They want whatever. I ended up making homemade formula for my babies to supplement. And breastfeeding. I'm telling you, you 
Cause I, cause I was part of these groups and part, I was like, nope. I was like, I opened the can of formula. I was like, this is horrific. I, have you smelled it? Oh God. I don't know what it smells like today. It was horrific. Anyway, there are other ways. There are other ways. <laughs> There's also women who freeze the breast milk who would give you, if you're in the situation like I was, you know, I didn't know. And so much of it is that we don't know. We're living inside of a man's world. That, that's filled with nothing against the men, just that they were here, they've claimed it, they've worked it. And if men were having the babies, we'd have a whole different system. And if men were having the uh, periods and menstruation, we'd have a whole different, okay? Because the women don't go out there and speak up enough about it. And I, I trust that that's why I wanted to come speak to you two today, because I know you take a stand for this and this is what needs to happen. It makes sense, it feels good, it's the most powerful thing. You get to have your baby, your life, your body as you feel it should be. And nobody gets to take that away from you. When you have those feelings of nervousness, of something's not right here in your head, go right? It's like, trust that. Trust your intuition. Trust your, interno your inner knowing. And go find, keep going to find something until it clicks and it works. And that's what I did. I've left pediatricians, you know, because they, whatever. And we gotten into places together. I'm like, this is crazy. And I would just go and I found the right one. And now I don't even use them anymore because it's not needed. I still have her. Just don't need to visit her. <laughs> we do do chiropractic though. <laughs> we and you do, you know, other stuff like that. Alternative. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Holistically, what's going on to help you. I love it. Thanks. I'm done. <laughs> well, we answered every question I was going to ask you. So I was like, <laughs> oh, see? Please, anatomy. I know. I mean, this is, this is, the, these are the conversations we Thank need you. to have. Thank you. You're welcome. Oops. Oh, yeah, there we go. Before you go, can you please yeah. tell us where we can find you online? And Sure thing. Yeah. So my, um, my website is Rock It Out Woman. It's R O C K It I T W O M A N, singular, rockitoutwoman.com. You can find me, Christine Miskinis. I am on um, everywhere. <laughs> I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. So you can find me there, all the good stuff. Um, I've been pretty vocal and out there in the media. I've been on Dr. Oz a few times and um and news and all this other stuff advocating for women ultimately for women having voices because if you have a voice then you can rock it out in your life you can have the life you live you can what you want to live you can be healthy you can be happy you can be peacefully parenting you don't have to conform to all the stress and all the crazy agendas and all the other calendar stuff that people have going on you don't have to have your kids in a million th different things. You are enough just as the woman that you are. Your children will love and learn from you if you love and learn from them and show up as yourself and share yourself. Um, you don't need any experts. I'm sorry, I'm still going, but it's like, keep going. <laughs> you don't need any experts. Like this whole thing of sleeping expert and this expert and that expert. I mean, I co-slept, you know? I slept when the baby slept. Yeah, my house was a mess for quite a while. I mean... Who cares? You know, do what's best for you. I love my kids. They love me. We have an amazing relationship today. Um, there's no like craziness. There's no needing to have a, a certain way of parenting. It's just insane. 
you know, learn and trust that you'll figure it out together and just get supported. I'm done now. <laughs> Christina Skinner's rocking out woman. Yes, I still coach moms and you know, like I have, co we, I coach moms on these things as well. So you don't have to actually be speaking, but I do train women entrepreneurs how to get on there, how to get media attention because the message is still the same. I want to see women's voices out in the world. That means if you need to partner with men or not reinvent the wheel, you don't have to be a feminist. There are things already in place. Men are open. They're willing to listen. You can actually, you know, be partnering with people, different people. You don't have to do this alone, but get your voice out there. So whether that is in your community, in your schools, in your healthcare, in your religion, whatever, or out into the media, on stages, whatever. Like it can be all. I was breastfeeding my baby and connecting with celebrities and whatever from this little screen on my computer. You can make it happen. Whatever you want, don't give up. Just get the support. Rock it out. <laughs>